Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. faith in Manolo Blahnik and I would never walk away. (laughs) I may be short, but I'll always hold something over your head. (laughs) That's a really good one. Thank you. Evergreen. I, it's, I always struggle with like evergreen taglines and I'm so jealous of people that have them. It's like over 270 Amazons of Andy's Girls. At this point, I'm like, bonjour. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 271 and I'm so excited to be having a return guest on the People's People's Couch, which we happen to be recording, you know, over Zoom, but from my office. You know her as the Emmy-nominated producer of Netflix's Fire documentary and the author of Hype, how scammers, grifters, and con artists are taking over the internet and why we're following. Could there be a more perfect time for this person to be back on Andy's Girls? I just don't know. Welcome back to AG, Gabrielle Bluestone. How are you? I am good. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you for having Having me back in the clothes. I mean, it's kind of the perfect time, truly, to have you. And the last time you were here, I mean, you can see your book on full display in my space. Um, but the last time you were here, we were really focused on sort of the intricacies that you lay out in your book, which, guys, I highly recommend. It's deeply fascinating. And kind of juxtaposing that with what has happened in the Bravo verse. And between then and now, 
things have kind of exploded. Do you see a little bit of a meeting point when we talk about hype and scamming in culture with what Housewives has kind of become? Yes, and especially Salt Lake City, which I literally just finished watching 10 minutes ago. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the wide range of hype and scamming that goes on on just this show. And, you know, I think the underlying kind of religious aspect of it certainly adds to that. But, I mean, you have everything from housewives pretending to live in rented homes that they don't actually live in all the way up to, you know, federal wire fraud and cult allegations. So (laughs) it's a wide spectrum on this show. It's fascinating. How do you quantify a level of scam? Like what, what makes one scam worse than the next, especially because we have a plethora. We have Tom Girardi. We have um, allegations against Jen. We have whatever's going on with um, Mary. Like, is there a, a grading scale one can kind of utilize when we think about what makes one event scammier than the next? Yeah, I mean, I think probably the most like <clears throat> moral and ethical way to, to quantify it is to look at the impact on the victims. Um, and mm. so, you know, in that sense, you know, you, Tom Girardi is certainly at a very uh, extreme end of the spectrum. Jen Shaw, mm. arguably Mary Cosby, although she has no criminal charges against her as far as I know. Um, and, you know, then on the other end is... Meredith and Jen, uh, you know, pretending to live in houses they don't live in. Uh, mm. But I also, I now that you mentioned Tom Girardi, uh, a fun, a fun fact about me is I am the proud owner of a box of his best attorney awards. Uh, and they're, they're actually in LA. I have not yet picked them up because um, you had to go and pick them up from the auction place in person. But uh, maybe one of your listeners wants to win one as a giveaway. I, I truly am awash in Tom Girardi awards, and I don't know what to do with all of them. Wait a second. So many questions. First mm-hmm. off, can I be the person that wins? Yes. Number oh, one. you can You can have one on your own, too. I, I literally have, like, 20 of uh, them. And is it true that when this auction happened, it's like all the proceeds really do go to the victims or is it going to where does the money go I believe it was held by the bankruptcy trustee so it's all Mm -hmm. going towards you know towards restitution I don't know um who directs that or or how but it is under the purview of the court as far as I know but uh, a funny story so it had to be picked up locally so a friend of mine drove over and got the box and all of a sudden he started having terrible luck uh, but he saged all of it, and it's gotten better since. Oh <laughs> Wait, now I'm rethinking whether or not I want one. What it's kind like of a terrible luck situation? Ha- oh my! What kind of terrible luck? And it happened like the moment he picked them up. Did he it did go it. away after he saged? Yes, he didn't go into specifics, but he was like, "Gabby, you got to come get this box. Like things have not been going well ever since I got it." Oh, okay, guys, we're maybe going to do a giveaway. So go to our Instagram pages, which we'll shout out at the end of the app for that. But maybe we won't. <laughs> maybe the prize is not getting the statues. Yeah, the prize <laughs> might not be get, might be not getting the statues. We'll put up a poll. I'm going to put up a poll <laughs> on my IG when this goes up that says, do you want to participate in a giveaway knowing 
what could happen as a result. And I'll we'll leave it to the AGs to decide whether or not this is going to take place, <laughs> which will happen on social media. Um, okay, that's iconic. And what are you going to do with all 20 aside from giving me six? Um, you know, I think I'm I'm going to hand them out, you know, to, to super fans. I'm definitely going to keep one and put it in my office. I will thoroughly stage it. Maybe I'll, uh, you know, I don't know, do something. <laughs> but it's, oh uh, you know, God. it's a piece of history. It is a piece of history. And the nice thing is that like, he's obviously this wouldn't happen, but it's not like he's getting any of the money. Like I saw some Bravo content creators who were attending or auction, you know, like picking stuff up after the auction ended. And it is like one of these wild things. It's the for us, I think one of the parts of it, it's like, it's the great irony of his grift that he won all of these awards. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so I mean, many. I mean, scam. I mean, it yeah. was like the lots were like, it wasn't just like one award. It was like a box of like 10 per lot. He really won a, a ton of awards. I mean, he was a good lawyer. He was just not a great uh, lawyer. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He was a good showman and he was yeah. also very good. It's like one of the things that people are discovering or have always known, which is any accolade is up for purchase. You can sort of buy whatever you want if you mm -hmm. have the funds, the power or the authority. Like Tom was able to buy judges. Tom was able to buy delayed silence from the California bar. Like all of these things are up for grabs depending on your level of privilege in every way, be it celebrity, financial yes. resources, fame, fear, whatever. It's the perfect example of well, that. Yeah, that I mean, that is hype at work, right? That is no different than like the Sacklers, you know, the opioid family mm. uh, plastering their names on museums or Jared and Ivanka buying their way into the Louis Vuitton show this weekend to kind of announce their return to society. Um, that, that's hype, baby. Wait, I didn't know they attended. Oh yeah. my God, that's insane. So what I read was they wanted to be seated with the invited or with like the celebrity VIPs. And instead they got <gasps> put with like the buy, like, like, you know, high purchasers, clients kind of thing. Um, they were deliberately separated, but, but they were there. Wow. What a massive insult to the memory of Virgil Abloh to even have them present. Jesus. It just goes to show you that money can buy literally whatever you want. Except class, baby. I mean, <laughs> amen. Shout out Countess Luann. Always getting the final word. Um, so listen, there's so much that is going on in the Housewives universe. Last night of Salt Lake City was absolutely batshit crazy. But I do want to first get your thoughts on Orange County because yeah. Heather returned, which mm. means Heather's house hath finally arrived. And... Part of the joie de vivre, of the sort of affection for it, of the LOL, is that so much of Heather Dubrow is fancy pants, is mm -hmm. this industrial complex that she's calling her house. Like, when you take that kind of journey where part of your characterization on the show and your narrative is, I have so much money, I can shit sparkle wallpaper, like <laughs> things that like Valentino yada yada in your kitchen, like craziness. 
how much of that is a calculated risk because of questions that are going to be asked about where this cash came from? I mean, that's I think that's that's the tension inherent in every housewife who kind of makes conspicuous consumption their brand, which you know is most of them. You know, it's uh, I gotta say, it's 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 great uh, for the viewer to watch, right? I mean, like her house is amazing. I gotta give that to her. Um, I, it is funny to see the moments where obviously she is, you know, the the Chris Jenner of the OC. Uh, mm. But the moments where where kind of that that planned act falls short, I'm thinking in particular of her daughter uh, making jokes at the dinner table about being finally legal, and you can kind of see the smile plastered <laughs> on her face slip just a little bit, <laughs> like her teeth got a little tenser. <laughs> oh my god! And then her kiddo being like saying to um, her brother, like "You're not picking up when I'm dropping down." Yeah, or the phrases, which I was like, "Oh, this." Is- wonderful yeah like oh this this is when uh what's the real world thing like when this is when they're getting real (laughs) yes oh my god what does it stop being polite and start getting real yes I mean and that's the ultimate conundrum with Heather because she seems to want at whatever for whatever chaotic moment is involved she always wants things to look polite and yet you're on a reality show that doesn't value polite that Mm -hmm. doesn't value keeping up with the appearances unless we're seeing part of those appearances fall apart Mm -hmm. and her her situation is is I mean I guess it's not unique but you know she's an actress like she is Mm. uh trained in presenting a specific role rather than herself you know her husband's been on tv for decades as well like Mm -hmm. they are very uh prepared for what they're doing um but even then you know as, as we just said there's occasionally there's there's moments they're unable to control and I think that's the most interesting part of watching people like that I totally agree. And I think it is something to be said for watching the veneer shatter a little bit. And then you have someone like Gina who started with shattered veneer and is in the same cast as fancy pants. And yet they seem to be connecting. What do you think about Gina's place in housewives, which was ostensibly a show about escapism, performative wealth Mm -hmm. and everything else? How do you think that works out? Gina, I think, is a delight. You know, all these shows, like, you need the you need the fancy pants, but I think you also need mm-hmm. the everyman to kind of act as a stand-in for the viewer. And so Gina is all of us at home having that reaction, like, whoa, you know, like, Gina's living in her little rental. Uh, <laughs> um, and so it, to have that, that contrast and that tension, I think, adds a nice texture to the show. Uh, mm-hmm. And Gina also is just like a delight to watch. Like she's very um, entertaining and she created one of my favorite moments ever on the show. I don't remember which season it was, but it was right after she got the DUI and she's talking to her lawyer and she straight up admits to the DUI on camera. Like there's no, she's like, I did it. I I drove the car drunk and you saw her lawyer's entire eye just twitch. <laughs> like <laughs> he was like, don't say that. Um, and it was, you know, speaking of the veneer dropping, it seems like she is just built without one. And it's just, it, it works so well on Orange County, but I don't know if it would work as well if she was in truly literally any other cast. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think I think the most interesting people on on every show are the people that kind of aren't as uh, mm. in that like right on Salt Lake City. Like Heather is always the fresh uh, the breath uh, breath of fresh air. Like mm. every every um for every Gatsby, you need like a Nick Carraway, you know? Yes. I mean, and it also kind of harkens back to old school New York, like New York season one, where Bethany is, you, you know, she's not taking cars everywhere. She's talks about taking a subway because mm-hmm. she can't afford that, you know, $20 cash. Like she is in her one bedroom apartment on the Upper East Side and can't necessarily afford the rent. I mean, it, yeah. it is a little bit of a throwback, but also fitting into this new chapter. And also Alex and Simon, you know, while they're all mm. being rich and mean in New York, she's in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that all the cast that work best have that spectrum of personality and, and net worth. For sure. What did you feel? Uh, how did you feel about the Orange County premiere overall? Like, what was your sense of enjoyment from it? Do you have hope for it? Have you watched it? What are your thoughts? I've watched. Um, okay, I'm just checking. Some people I are like selected it. about their franchises, and we oh. welcome them. We welcome them to Andy's Girls. I, I like to think I'd be selective, and then I run out of shows to watch, and then I'm watching the, the watching the things I said I'd never watch. You know, I, I swore same. off below deck after some very toxic seasons, and, and I'm back mm-hmm. on the boat, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I watched it. Um, I really, I, I think the cast shakeup is great. You know, I, I don't miss Vicky at all. Um, you know, it, it, they. I feel like a lot of these shows, uh, they get really toxic and bad to watch for a while. And then they come back stronger than ever. Um, you know, Beverly Hills was like that. And then last season was amazing. So, you know, they have to, they have to fall to rise again like a phoenix. And I see that happening with OC right now. I mean, that's a great point. And when you think about a phoenix rising from the ashes, you know, Erica Jane announced her hairline or something <laughs> here pr- this week, Pretty Mess Hair. But when you think about conspicuous consumption and and the cost of that, we all now understand the cost of um, zero fucks, e- expensive to be me, and yet on Erica's social and in Eric, how Erica arrives to filmed events, she, aside from like the level of quality of glam, she doesn't look that different. She's still, it's still the veneer and the performance of Diamonds and Rosé. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that choice? Um, I mean, it makes sense, right? She's, she's playing a public role. Uh, I don't think any one of us, really knows who like the real Erica is mm-hmm. um it's funny because she's like playing a role playing a role it's it's uh yes. well and and that, well, that was her original tagline wasn't it something like uh an enigma wrapped in diamonds um an enigma wrapped in a riddle and cash yes yeah so she's always been you know a little two steps removed from whatever is really going on um but you know her whole thing is like not acknowledging what's going on or showing any remorse or any concern. Uh, so I'm not at all surprised by that. Do you think she'll get to a point? Listen, it's very different because Tom was the one who was charged and all of the items in his office, obviously um, being sold to get as much possible money back. Do you think there will come to a point when that happens with Erica's closet? 
<laughs> uh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I don't know where mm -hmm. they, you know, that, that was his firm. That was company assets that were being sold off. I don't know how mm -hmm. it'll go with like a personal bankruptcy. Um, probably depend on like what happens in the cases she's involved in personally. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always interesting when these housewives like itemize everything they own on screen. You know, this happened with Taylor from Beverly yes. Hills. This is one of my favorite stories where she showed off all her Birkins on the show and the creditors mm. came for them only to learn that they were all fake. <laughs> oh my God. Which is so, that's gotta be such a kick to one's sensibilities to find out that these things that you held as a as a illustration a display of the access that you have the power they have are as fake as your husband's business I mean fuck yeah. that's gotta be tough yeah you know but and, and this is we talked about this a little bit last time and this is something I explore in the book but you know, in society and especially in, you know, these worlds like of, of investments and, and VCs, what people look for isn't necessarily like, you know, a real indicator of what's really going on, but they're looking for these um, kind of like heuristics, like shortcuts to show wealth. So if the woman is carrying a Birkin, you kind of assume that they belong in this world. There are like these little um, indicators that people have learned to adopt and manipulate. Um and, and, uh, you know, Taylor was certainly one of them. And it kind of reminds me, I just started listening to the dropout, the podcast, uh, Rebecca Jarvis hosts about all things Theranos and specifically Elizabeth mm -hmm. Holmes. And it just kind of reminds you that in the scale of grifting, when it comes to access and wealth, and certainly you can talk about this with the Firefest and Billy McFarland, often it, what matters most is one person seen as being in a position of power, which people conflate with intelligence and strategic know-how. All it takes is one person saying yes. Like mm -hmm. for Elizabeth, obviously it was a professor from Stanford believing mm -hmm. her and someone else, but bringing her up to, you know, connecting with a former, what was he, like secretary of state or something who had a ton George Schultz who had a ton of positions in different administrations Henry Kissinger just, was on the board and he was connected by this guy George Schultz and ultimately the irony is she was taken down because his grandson was like you're a part of the fraud and even if this ruins are not you're a part of the fraud but you're you're this woman is defrauding you and if even if you won't acknowledge it I I'm going to even if my like life is on the line and my family certainly but it it was this one guy who was like okay I'm going to connect you to Henry Kissinger mm -hmm. I'm going to connect you to all these people who didn't necessarily have trust in this woman, but trusted their friend. Yeah. And often that seems to be how grifting goes. Yeah. Well, also, but once that happens too, like people who are, who don't even know those people, right? Like they, they become stand-ins mm -hmm. for due diligence. So there was actually a fascinating article in the Times a few weeks ago, um, looking at the people that invested money in Theranos and a lot of them, you know, some people did try to do due diligence. They asked for studies or to see the test in action. Um, and when they were denied or rebuffed, they invested anyway because they didn't want to miss mm. out on this, you know, great thing that was happening. Or they thought that if they pushed too hard that they wouldn't be allowed to invest. And so, you know, I say this all the time, but, you know, scammers don't actually have to do that much work. Like we as the victims um, really do a lot of the emotional 
work for them. Like we, mm-hmm. all we need to be d- done is like given the idea and we will convince ourselves in, in many of these oh. situations. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, puppy, puppy agreement, puppy agreement. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that kind of reminds me of even like the title of the podcast of stuff that's been written and produced about Elizabeth Holmes. Like the title of it, obviously tongue in cheek because Theranos was a blood testing company. And so the name Bad Blood and you know, you think about Madoff and everything else. He would say, oh, I don't have room. You can't, you know, join right now. I can't take you on. People would beg. You'd be like, oh, okay, I guess. Like, and then I'm going to steal your money and buy a boat. Mm-hmm. But with looking at um, what's going on in Salt Lake City, the idea of ble- bad blood from a relationship level being used as a form of manipulation or defense by maybe possibly Jen will see come up. We've seen it in the mid-season trailer by Mary, not to quantify those two, Jen obviously being charged. Mary, these are um, suspicions, allegations of something that's happening um, that people aren't entirely sure about, but it seems relatively clear. Um, But And also in the ways that these women defend, some of these women defend not wanting to know more because... You don't want there to be bad blood. Mm-hmm. Like, how does this work when you're trying to talk about a grift, allegations, rumors about something not being right, not being on the up and up, but the pushback is related to your friendship with that person? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that the ultimate grift? I mean, it was fascinating to see Mary's reaction to learning mm. that the women were talking about her because she bought their silence. I mean, they turned around within 12 hours singing a completely different tune. And all it took was a Chanel clutch Mm -hmm. and a pair of Christian Louboutins (laughs) that she happened to throw in her bag that day. I mean, it is fascinating. And I I have a lot of questions about, about, you know, what these women were thinking in this episode. Um, And, and, you know, Meredith seems like a very smart woman. And so I, I, would love to understand how she got to where she is mentally on this particular issue. Like I'm, I'm, I don't get it, but I'm intrigued by it. I mean, also sidebar, nothing in this world would lead me to give away shoes. Have I <laughs> sold a couple? Yes. Nothing in looking at my shoe rack right now. Dem babies. Hashtag a la Mariah Carey. Nothing in this world. A mother's love. Speaking of Candy's <laughs> musical. My mother's my as mama as the mom in this scenario. Nothing in this world. Don't care what you're saying about me. When I'm on silence. I'm never going to give you the shoe box. So I. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was just a, a, a night of desperation and she was like, OK, we have, you know, like, I think this will fit. Yeah, so I think she shopped her closet. Johnny. Yeah, I don't think that was like a, <laughs> she said as much. She was like, I just happened to pack these and I gave them to her. <laughs> I mean, and it's a shoe. It's a hat. It's a bag. It's a clutch. It is a little bit of a motley crew of items. And yet it really did do its job and it did Mm -hmm. its job in such a way that I was like honestly most perplexed by Lisa's change like what do you think was going on there what what do you do you feel like it was a swift change from one moment to the next like what do you think was going on in Lisa's mind and how much of it was successful 
you know, this season, what motivates Lisa is a fascinating question because mm. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I certainly these shows make me feel like I'm crazy sometimes. Like, I, I don't know if it's like the editing or if they're just that, um, <laughs> you know, nuts. nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what am I missing here? Um, and, and, you know, one of the things actually that I have to say, I really like about the um, all-star trips is how they are mm. allowed to talk about the intricacies of filming and the dynamics. Yes. Because when you're in like a situation, like where they're, they're rehashing it the next morning, how does someone not say like, we, this is all on camera. Like you can see what right. these women said. They're, you know, like like uh, what's her name? Mer- not Meredith. Lisa can deny saying what she said, but like it's all mm-hmm. on tape. Like run it back. You're gonna watch it anyway. Um, so it's moments like those where kind of the constraints of reality TV are a little bit annoying. Like you can't actually acknowledge yes. what's really going on. Um, but yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. It sounds like I mean she's playing both sides of the fence. She wants to be interesting I think she's probably a little little gun shy after last year where she was deeply Mm. unpopular uh to her apparent surprise um (laughs) (laughs) and you know it's an interesting show too when it comes to like religion because I know that that plays you know a really big role in how they treat and interact with one another um and so you know the idea that Mary is a leader of a church probably plays into it in some way that they're reluctant to say things they might say to you know other cast members who aren't as influential in the community perhaps I don't know that's this is just pure speculation of course what was the phrase that Cameron used with Lisa that Lisa repeated it was like emotional religious trauma was that yeah. what it was yeah it was something along there and And it was fascinating because that really hasn't been unpacked. We're talking about, you know, the episode was clearly Mary being affected by her faith and feeling like her faith was being questioned. And yet the flip side to that is a congregant is saying that their relationship to faith and with God was damaged by their time as being a member of Mary's church. And... I mean, maybe we're weighted more on Mary's side when it comes to time on camera because she is a literal cast member of this show. So obviously a large part of this is going to be seen through her opinion and her position. But like, I don't know that anybody is really, including Lisa, grabbing on to what that means because she's so willing to let it go. Yeah, and and to be fair, I mean, I think the show noted that these allegations against Mary have been around for a while. Like, there's this is not new that she's been accused of, like, fleecing her congregants to, you know, fund her own lifestyle. And I think Heather kind of put it most succinctly where she was saying, like, she's taking their tithing and, like, you know, using it for improper purposes. And that's, you know, that's an easy thing to investigate, to track. Um So, you know, that's not a matter of opinion. Like, it's either happening or it's not. Also, tithing, from my understanding, is typically a percentage of however much money one is making in a year. And I'm sure it's different according to different religions, but I sort of thought the standard for many was around 10%. Mm -hmm. So are you really able to call it a tithe if someone is handing over the deed to their house, mortgaging for, you know, 
potentially a valuation of $300,000? Are we taking that 10% and stretching it through the duration of a person's existence? Because how on (laughs) earth, truly, how on earth can you say that a $300,000 guarantee or whatever it's called is considered a tithe? And also, you know, just to note in that same episode, I think I forget who was talking to him, but they asked, was that to fund her odor gland surgery? And he said, yes. So (laughs) like that's horrifying. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. It's, it's, it's so horrifying. It's not funny. Um, It's just, it's so absurd. I mean, but also like literally what is happening? Because if you are saying that you were born into money and don't need this, then why are you asking for it? Like, why is there a video of you saying you don't love God if you are not giving me a better birthday gift? Like, meanwhile, she has her cousin like working for her for free. The whole thing is very bizarre. It's I, I, you know, I would love to see uh, a real, real accounting there. Completely. And when it comes to accounting, then we get into the Meredith of it all, where Meredith seems so happy to kind of defend Mary in such a way that runs extremely counter to her thoughts and opinions spoken so fervently about Jen and in quite an emotional reaction at that. She cried multiple times in the episode yeah. over Mary. Like for Mary, it's very bizarre. I, 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 there's something going on there that we, as the viewers, are not yet privy to, and I, I do hope we're filled in. Yeah, and it's all the more odd because, as you said, these rumors about Mary—I mean, they seem to come out to the public, to all of us during season one. So it was a genuine surprise. So for Meredith to sort of say this stuff isn't real because it's not fact. Mm-hmm. putting a space between the idea of a quote-unquote fact and perception and then another space between that and proof because we've seen their videos they're people who've gone on the record I don't understand her ability to separate facts about Jen much of which is just coming out from proof about Mary like what when it comes to actual information, you had more time in which to digest the Mary allegations than Jen. So why are we incredibly defensive and offended about pressure on what's going on with Mary and completely like, of course, and I've been telling you guys all this shit about Jen. Uh, the only like real difference I see is Mary hasn't liked any tweets calling Brooks a twink. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for real. And yet. And yet. And yet Meredith has a whole lot to say about the vulnerable communities that allegedly Jen and her businesses, shell companies, whomever, seem to target. That's according to federal indictment where it was like, you know, that moment where she's screaming and do I ever want to associate with someone who did this X, Y, and Z and by the way, a lot of it, I don't know if all of it's alleged anymore. I think Stu is pleading guilty to a lot. Yeah, to, Stu's, right? yeah. Stu's, so. Stu's pleading. It's going to be an interesting March show. Yeah. March yeah. Um, they can take the allegedly away from a lot of these statements. I mean, I think it's like 
less about taking the allegedly way and more about there's additional substantial proof, including by a co-conspirator who yeah. is intending to plead guilty, you know, like, and yet for Meredith, she seemed very focused on Jen's victims, right? The people victimized by Jen's alleged crimes, mm-hmm. of which there is an abundance of proof. And yet why are Mary's congregants not seen as being potentially victimized? Like what's the, what am I not understanding there? I mean, I I think a lot of it comes down to just regular human psychology, right? Like what we're willing to excuse, what we're willing to accept. Like there is a wide spectrum. Um, And, you know, you mentioned like fire before. There are still Mm -hmm. to this day people that will defend Billy McFarland, you know, despite him pleading guilty and then committing a set of felonies a second set of felonies while out on bail, who are still like, oh, he's a good kid who just got in over his head. Mm. Um, you know, we are, we we tend to overestimate our own intelligence and our own ability to figure out who's lying to us. Um, we tend to think the best of like our friends. You know, there's, there's a lot of um, mental gymnastics at play as well that I think probably goes a long way to explaining um, what seems like very contradictory uh, evaluations and behavior on Meredith's part. And how much of that do you think is applicable to a sense of defensiveness of, I refuse to believe this about this person because then what does it say about me? What does it say about me taking this $5,600 Louis Vuitton bag? What does it say about me accepting a Chanel clutch as a sign of friendship? Like how mm-hmm. much of the material gifts that these women are using is as valuable as the time that they're spending playing friendship on reality TV. Well, you know, I thought it was very telling. You know, I just watched this episode. It was like one of the last lines in the episode. But one of the last things Lisa said was like, oh, those dumb girls. Like if they had just listened to Mary, they could be sitting here on the private jet with us instead of taking their shoes off at the Delta terminal. You know, like, I think that really highlights the thinking right there, like what you're willing to overlook um, for comfort and material wealth. That's a really good point. And doesn't it kind of show that Lisa's a little bit of an ass? Like, just like a little bit. Like, <laughs> just a little. That, aren't we getting just like a little bit? Because Le- from the from the sense of friendship, like when we're talking about the stakes, Lisa has this person that she introduced to people in the group, people who had attended uh, um, uh, Mary's church. I'm sure that was just by accident that the people that she invited to that event happened to be Meredith and Whitney. But um, you would think Lisa has the most at risk because she wants to defend and protect her friend. And yet by the end of the episode, she's essentially mocking Heather and Whitney for not shutting up for not taking it. Yeah, I think we also, you know, you look at what's happening on the show, but then you also forget how roundly she was criticized in the public and, you know, by celebrities, you know, Rihanna wasn't following Lisa. Um, you know, mm. she I think she came into this season uh, with a redemption arc in mind. And it's always very interesting to watch Housewives attempt to produ- uh, produce themselves and, and, you know, to see the gap between what they think they're doing and what they're really doing. Uh, but I think that, that those external pressures play a pretty big role in the inconsistency as well. 
A hundred percent. And also, you know, what you said before about Ultimate Girls Trip is so interesting because there is a fourth wall that's entirely broken down throughout these six episodes. Seventh is this week. And it is wildly fascinating and addictive to see these women and refreshing talking to each- and refreshing to yes. see these women essentially seen and, you know, understandably so at the top of their game, these like titans of housewifery talking about the pressure of production and just the resulting issues and complications that happen to come with and not just happen to come but are present in participating in this kind of show Mm -hmm. and then I think about the Lisa of it all and I'm wondering like the thing that will never get answered because none of them will bring it up is noting that production obviously had advanced notice of rumors about Mary because it was such a big part of the blog uh, Bravo blogosphere last season. How much of them trying to figure out who's going to bring this shit up mm-hmm. factored into how Lisa behaved? Like, is anyone ever going to be able to say like, Lisa, do you even believe this? Or are you just following production's orders or I mean, I would think if I was Mary, I would try I would be thinking of a way to bring that into the conversation. I think it complicates things that it probably will not. Yeah. And it's I'm always fascinated by what like the producers um, allow in and, and don't. Right. Like I, mm. I, I want to see the footage of Dorit being confronted in the Bahamas by, yes. you know, her her victim that they just chose to bury for whatever reason. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny because you forget that, like, Beverly Hills, they all have lawsuits against them, like Mauricio, PK, like, they're all uh, battling allegations that just are never going to see the light of day. Yeah, and also, you know, the conversation being faced right now, I think by Lisa, or it was by Lisa for, like, 3.3 seconds, was why are you discussing this through the lens of, like, Whitney said some shitty things, and then mocking the idea that some of this was engineered like her shifting gears so quickly was wild the way that she was presenting stuff I'm like are you doing this because you feel intimidated or pressured and you don't want to be the odd man out or are you doing Mm -hmm. this because you were hoping to kind of place this bomb carefully and then run the fuck out of the room like what was the the reasoning here because it does seem fairly wild it's also bewildering as a viewer to watch because it's like we just watched the scene that you are now inaccurately describing to this woman and she's gonna see it eventually like it's not like you can spin this in a way that people aren't gonna find out um and so it's like what are you doing you know that tension between Mm -hmm. this is a show that i'm watching and then also like where is the logic you know, like, like, you're going to be able to watch this back eventually. Um, It's I I don't get it. I I definitely come away from these shows like, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, like Brian Moylan's write ups are so enjoyable and popular to have to be able Mm. to, to talk to or, or your show to be able to talk to someone else and, and, and be like, did you just see this shit? Like, am I the only one that that just heard that or saw that? Like, what is going on? Um, you know, sometimes you almost need like a reality check, no pun intended. Uh, completely. And the reality check amongst the cast usually comes with someone's ally. We saw that with Heather and Whitney, who seemed to be stronger together just mm-hmm. in terms of their relationship by the end of the episode. And the 
fucking tension by contrast between Whitney, uh, sorry, between Lisa and Meredith. Mm -hmm. Where can this go when these two women who have had some tension in their relationship because of Jen, because of other things, are on such seemingly wildly opposite sides of the spectrum regarding Mary until they were like, ooh, a private jet. Yeah. What's, well, even though it was like scheduled by Meredith, but like what, what could explain the contrast and where do they, is there a place for them to meet in the middle when there's so much of a divide? I don't think we're going to find out till they get sent on all stars, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, truly. I think that's a, a, a valid point. Um, I don't know what to do about Meredith. Like it, she was in such fan favor by her response and like the sort of dynasty-esque um, laissez-faire attitude coupled with very loud, um, upset, frustrated uh, responses when it came to Jen. And yet she has such a visceral opposite reaction to Mary. Like which part of Meredith is the how how do I in my head even try to understand why there's such an enormous difference between the two? I mean, I think it's her personal opinion of the women rather than her uh, kind of, you know, prosecutorial sense of wrongdoing. Um, you know, Mary is an ally to her and Jen is, is willing to go after her on camera. And I think those are the two big differences between those women because the allegations are frankly similar. They're both accused of taking advantage of people financially. Um, so, you know, that, that's the only real difference I see. And I'm sure that it's much more nuanced than that. And there's a lot more going on off camera, but that's what it seems like. Yeah. And yet so much of the frustration, understandably so from Mary's perspective is like, do not compare me to someone who the federal government just arrested. Like, there is no difference. And because, I mean, there is a huge difference. Rather, it does sound like a statement that, that's tempting fate. Like, I hope she had her fingers crossed while saying that. I mean, Knock on wood. <laughs> well, luckily, she doesn't need to because she has this faith. And this is where it gets incredibly complicated because she is equating somewhat understandably the women saying she's a fraud with a sense of her faith being questioned and of her role in that church, which is arguably incredibly upsetting, I would think. And yet the people who are speaking out had that exact thing happen to them where their faith was questioned unless they paid up. Like, how do you explain this in such a way that talks about faith without using it as a bargaining tool, even that even if those are like the very rumors about what is happening. You know, I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but it is fascinating to watch unfold. Mm. Yeah. It's just <laughs> such a, it's like, so it's, I, there's like no way for me to unpack it. And because I, you know, grew up in an environment where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Hebrew Jewish and, um, reform Jew, which I always say is like the JV version of Judaism. We're just here for a good time. But um We're just here for the latkes. We're just here for the latkes and some shooting the shit. Um, you know, but it was much more the idea of religion 
and the idea of faith was really for many of us uh, um, in this like large tribe in Rhode Island of like progressive Jews um, was really about the sense of community and really not necessarily about like liquid religion in that sense you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying even though everybody's bat mitzvah and you do whatever and like sometimes you do Shabbat and whatever else happens but um it's a cultural thing it's a cultural thing and you know obviously there's a huge difference between that and um Mary's life especially because she is the literal face face of her church and it is a family industry, you know, it was passed on to her by her grandmother. And it's one that's made her obscenely wealthy. And, you know, in, in a, in a mm. supposedly nonprofit sector like that, it is mm-hmm. suspicious to see someone living in such extreme wealth that they just happen to have an extra $5,000 purse and $2,000 shoes to disperse as necessary. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And yet she's not the only one doing it. It's like we're talking about this. And by we, I don't mean like literally us, although I don't know. Um, You know, you look at Joel Austin and all of these mm-hmm. other people who have mega churches who have, you know, bajillions of dollars for days. And it's given to them by parishioners and and by the revenue from the church and, and by, you know, uh, tours and mega audiences and, and throw David else. Miscavige in there mm, yes get into some Scientology mm. of it all <laughs> but in the idea that like she didn't necessarily create this so a genuine question of like what's the difference like what is the difference is it that there are recordings of this is it you know the fact that it's a much smaller church and things are being asked of her of her parishioners that are that's much greater the idea of like literally give me your house is not the same thing as having tens of thousands of people giving you know x y and z maybe not a huge monetary donation but it's the the number of people who are members that it all adds up like how do you explain it you know i don't i don't know that i know the answer to it and i don't know that it's all that different you know um I don't know you only (laughs) you know it's 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 hard to to wade into this conversation without being a bit cynical about Mm. you know the religion in general and kind of for-profit religion and that kind of thing um I will say, you know, separately, just I was thinking about Scientology. Uh, the best prank anyone's ever played on me was signing me up for a Scientology <gasps> mailing list that I cannot get oh, off of. No. And I know exactly who it was because they <gasps> spell my name in a very distinctive way. <laughs> Did they ever tell? That's not really a joke. Because once you sign, once they have your info, it's like wildly known that they will never, they've been able to find people after they change addresses. Like once they have a single drop, they're going mm-hmm. to throw a gallon at you. I get a daily email from Brittany at Scientology. <laughs> Did you ever talk to your quote unquote friend to be like, um, cool prank. Let's no, maybe not do this again. Or but they know who up? they are. <laughs> wow. I mean, Susan, if you're listening, 
I don't know. Maybe we need to sign you up for some shit. Um, You know, when we talk about the tension of this all and how so much of it taps back to an idea, a lifestyle, something that has become somewhat normalized in a lot of different forms of organized religion, it is fascinating that the two women who are most on the outs by the end of the episode are the two who most publicly within the cast, and as we know, left their Mm -hmm. organized religion. I mean, there is something to be said for feeling like a bit of a pariah amongst your family structure and friends once you left the, um, you know, your religion, once Mm -hmm. you left your uh, community and perhaps not your faith, but once you like left your community and that happening again over something that involves religion used as a tool or as, you know, whatever else. I mean, that is kind of wild. And I would think incredibly triggering. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it, 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 the the parallels are very real, right. Between Mm -hmm. going against, you know, the grain of what's expected of you or, you know, what the party line is. And both of these women, um, Whitney and Heather have already gotten past that pressure and are comfortable saying like, I, you know, this might be what everyone is saying, but I don't believe it or I don't agree with it. And I'm, I'm going to, speak out against it. Um, you know, Heather's journey in particular is I find so fascinating because I didn't know a lot. I I guess I had Mormon counselors at camp growing up, but I didn't know a lot about Mormonism or the church Mm -hmm. of Latter-day Saints or, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what, whatever the official title is now, but I I didn't know a lot about it before this show. And I know that the show is not a great representation of it, but both of those women were so ensconced in that church. I think they're both like, you know, pioneers or, or, descended from the line Mm -hmm. of like founders, like they are really in it. And for them Mm -hmm. to leave it and be finding kind of life outside of this very structured, um, didactic way of growing up is fascinating. Um, And especially those scenes with Heather and her sister discussing how she was ostracized for years. They didn't know each, her sister had multiple sclerosis and they weren't allowed to talk to her. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is, is, you know, that's when it goes from being, you know, Bravo housewives to like a nature documentary. Like there are moments where it really is um, really interesting television, not just, um, you know, fights and, and fodder. I mean, and you think of the cost of this, Heather talking about the fact that she really chose her relationship with her father and wanting to be seen as a good child over making choices and being independent in sort of any way. She wanted to move to D.C. No, she wanted to try a different life. No, they chose the college. They chose the kind of woman and person that she was going to be. And yet we extol the virtues of some of these communities and it's like okay cool but what is the cost there because there is a very high cost her life could have been wildly different and she will never know what that would have been like Mm -hmm. and the fact that she couldn't even talk about it until she her dad passed away because she still felt that tie I mean that's incredibly tough I mean, it was it was funny, but also not funny when she was explaining like kind of the outer circles of, of you know, who goes where and the fact that mm. Charles Manson was closer to mm-hmm. heaven than she was after leaving above the her. church. 
oh my God, it's crazy. I mean, it's, but it's like actually, and that is something that exists for a lot of different religions. Um, many of whom have these like ultra religious sects or, you know, it's a part of this cultural idea where if you are not, uh, a, a follower, if you are not, um, doing these things through the lens of purity and through the lens of goodliness and godliness, you're kind of like not both not worthy to be a part of this, but also unwelcome, which mm-hmm. is when you tell someone they're not welcome to like ascend after death. And again, I, I truly don't know. I barely know the religion of shoes once more. (laughs) The idea of that, like the harm of that, I don't know how you get that off of you, especially if you were raised in it. I mean, it's just incredibly dark. It's just so fucking dark. Yeah. Um, But, you know, good for us as viewers to have the opportunity to kind of learn more and and see this Mm. in action. You know, it's, it's definitely fascinating. Yeah. And I think the reunion is going to be an absolute shit show. It looks like the rest of the season is going to be a shit show. Jen being under federal, I mean, facing these federal charges and making a lunge for it against yeah. one of her cast members. <laughs> like, ma'am, this is the worst case scenario. Like your lawyers, I'm sure, didn't want you to be on this show at best because of your conventionals. So if you are acting out in those ways, like bless your heart, but this is a wild look. But I think the reunion is going to be incredibly valuable for some of these moments. And also it's going to bring up some aspects of Mary's responses. We saw a a little bit about on the first season reunion, but like what she said this week, it's, she is very sharp and, and often responds in ways that rely on these just ugly tropes. And yet I have no faith. Speaking of faith, I have no faith that she has really any understanding of the harm of that, like what I she mean, said about yeah, she made some very yeah about Heather. It's just real tough, real yeah. tough stuff. I was gonna say like she's making like body shaming comments, like racist comments, and it was very fun, not funny, but you know to see Lisa, Lisa physically winced when she made yeah. that comment, but did not push back, respond. On it. Yeah. yeah. Um, And she said, Lisa said in a response to somebody on Twitter or IG, you know, like, yeah, I didn't respond in the moment, but you will see a response later on in the season. And I wonder. Let the record note that I am making a very. uh, (laughs) I'm not buying that. Critical, critical kind of uh, facial movements. Yeah, I think Lisa has some real work ahead of her and I truly don't even know how she views her goals for the rest of the season and again it's just gonna make for a fucking shit show of a reunion an absolute on un- more than watchable completely iconic insane reunion cycle it's just gonna be an absolute shit show and I mean that is the greatest possible applause they're, they're gonna be pulling up in the Sri Lanka I mean, God bless. Um, listen, I could talk to you forever, Gabrielle Bluestone. Forever and have, ever and ever. We have only just, you know, dived into this illuminating conversation. As we know, you know, the hype 
the scam be scamming. It's just going to continue to be at the center of many of our conversations as we're seeing on, you know, Beverly Hills, as we're seeing on Salt Lake City. And God only knows where else this is going to go. Um, Miami. Miami's going to bring the heat. I feel good about it. Oh, my God. And also, like, this is a terrible comparison. But when you think of the idea of, like, scamming, there is a way that some of these housewives' husbands have been presented that can maybe help their businesses, except mm-hmm. some of these reviews for some of these people are not so good. Some, are we talking about someone whose name rhymes with Penny? Uh, a little bit. A little bit <laughs> of uh, uh, any of you listening. It, yeah. uh, there could be a connective thread there. And again, very different circumstances, but... It does include how you're presented on Housewives and how that can benefit your companies regardless of how they deliver, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, and and, and I this goes back to like kind of maybe why some of them blindly defend each other too. But uh, when I was researching this book, like the, 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 I think I maybe mentioned this last time too, but the experiment that, that really kind of blew my mind the most and is the most obvious um, but really just so illustrates like how we respond to like peer pressure, especially mm-hmm. is this 1950s Solomon Ash experiment where he put a bunch of people in a room and he showed them, you know, on a chalkboard, like two lines. And then mm-hmm. he showed them options of a third line that most closely matched the first two. And the audience was invited to vote on which of the lines looked most like the other two. And what the people in the audience didn't know was that there were plants who had been instructed to pick the most obviously incorrect answer um, as loudly and confidently Mm. as they could. And up to 70% of the respondents went along with it, even though it was so obviously wrong, because the urge to conform with the loudest, most confident voice in the room is so innate in us as human beings um, that, that that's often all it takes for us to blindly defend something we know is wrong that we know not to be true and so I think you see that at play on all of these shows um and in the fandom as well so you know looking at it it really is like a great kind of pool to test psychological theories against I guess oh my god I loved that I'm so glad that you brought it up and I think that that's a really interesting tool and example for us to think about when we're measuring how these women are responding to very difficult circumstances, especially when there's an ethical element involved. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's an incredibly interesting and nuanced lens on this that we've seen play out. We're watching it play out on Salt Lake City. We've seen it play out on Beverly Hills. The idea of the majority rule and also Mm -hmm. the majority will protect itself. Mm hmm. Wow, so interesting. Listen, I could attack you forever. You're coming back tomorrow. <laughs> just a little FYI. Um, can you tell the people, I've read your book. I fucking loved it. Tell the people where they can buy it, where they can follow you online, anything that you're working on as far as writing. Your writing pieces are incredible. Tell the folks what's up. Yeah. Uh, so my book is in most independent bookstores, uh, the occasional Hudson News at the airport, um, definitely on Amazon. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under G Bluestone. 
And uh, I've got some fun scam stories in the works. I can't say mm. too much, but a few magazine features that are hopefully coming out soon. Fingers crossed. I can't wait to share with you. Um, and I think, uh, you know, luckily for me and my beat, the scammers never stop scamming. And there's always a grift to uncover. So, you know, I'll be employed for a little while longer. Oh my God, you're in the exact right industry, I have to tell you. And <laughs> offline, you're going to need to tell me because guys, you have to read Gabrielle's work. Like when you have stuff that comes out and you're posting it on social, it's the absolute first thing that I do. Um, Guys, the first thing that you should be doing is joining the Annie's Girls Patreon. My Woo! Lord, definitely not a scam. Always delivers <laughs> every time. You get exclusive bonus episodes, the opportunity to join Zoom Kiki events, and you could even record a Patreon episode with me yours truly patreon.com slash andy scrolls have a live reaction to the miami trailer episode um several episodes upcoming so join the ag patreon best christmas um hanukkah holiday gift that you can ever give yourself and trust me those are my favorite presents um follow me on social at dame galley i am gonna put up a poll about yeah. <laughs> Should we do a giveaway? A haunted <laughs> giveaway. Awards. <laughs> a haunted Halloween but Merry Christmas giveaway. Please vote on it on Instagram at Dame Galley. And depending on your thoughts, that might be coming shortly thereafter. Um, can't wait. Listen, I couldn't wait to record with you today. I die for you. We're going to talk offline about some of your writing pieces. Yeah. Questions. Um, guys, I hope in the meantime that you are all staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated, boosted if you can. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.